First of all, enjoy it. <laughs> enjoy every minute of it. Don't get bumped by the concerns because the obstacles are the way. We learn from the difficulties in our lives. So welcome it, embrace it, and enjoy every second. Hey, this is Achim Novak, executive coach and host of the My Fourth Act podcast. If life is a five-act play, how will you spend your fourth act? I have conversations with exceptional humans who have created bold and unexpected fourth acts. Listen and be inspired. And please rate us and subscribe on whatever platform you are listening on. Let's get started. I am just delighted to welcome Adriana Machado to the My Fourth Act podcast. Adriana is one of Latin America's most celebrated women business leaders and an outspoken advocate for an impact economy. She's a former CEO of GE Brazil and also served as the regional head of government affairs and policy for GE Latin America. After leaving GE, Adriana founded the Bria Institute a B Corp or benefit corporation that bridges innovation, practice, and purpose to inspire leaders to transform organizations by co-creating an impact economy. She serves on multiple boards where she supports causes that matter deeply to her. Adriana is also a wife and the mother of two children. So welcome, Adriana. Thank you, Akim. So good to be here with you. Such a good energy. I love it. Ditto. And I know we're going to have a very rich conversation. I'm interested in what you're doing now because everything you do is inspiring to me. But before we get there, I'd like to start with who you thought you would be when you were a young girl or teenager. What were wow. your dreams or aspirations? So you're going to start from there, huh? Okay. We'll start there. <laughs> that is a beautiful question because when I was growing up, my biggest dream was to become a ballerina a classical ballerina. That was my dream come true. And I had the best teacher in the world for that. Ophelia Corvello. I remember her mm -hmm. to this day. And she was so important in my whole life. She was trained in Russian ballet. So very disciplined, very rigorous. I remember she even had a stick sometimes to kind of remind us to put the tummy up, you know, tuck the tummy <laughs> and be in the right posture. And She made us work really hard, but she also gave us the beauty, the beauty of shows, ballet shows. So I was growing up in Brasilia, so the capital of Brazil, middle of nowhere. I mean, it was still the 70s, and there wasn't a lot going on there in terms of cultural activities and whatnot. But this lady moved from Rio, from the municipal ballet, and went to Brazil, started her own company, and gave us art. So we were told we could do it and we were just trained to do it. And more than that, you know, the, that saying that goes by the best way to teach is by example. Mm -hmm. She made us teach at a very young age. Mm -hmm. So she made us believe in ourselves. So there I was learning ballet. I wasn't so little anymore. I was about 10 when I found her and I told my mom I wanted to do that. And I enrolled myself in this in her class and I started dancing and she just 
totally believed in me. And she gave me the opportunity to live art, to go with the music, the beautiful Carmen's, the beautiful, you know, Tchaikovsky's and all the different things that she brought to our classroom and teach younger girls ballet and, and be responsible. And we had the sense of responsibility. We, we had these presentations that were beautiful at the end of the year. I remember myself sewing my own costume. I remember myself learning how to sew to put my ribbon in my toe shoe. And I remember my shoe, my foot getting really ugly. <laughs> that experience. And I also remember me trying to be the ballerina with the body I had, but I, I was not. But that experience, Akeem, I think, you know, shaped me forever. Because although I did not become a, a, a dancer, a ballet dancer, the love she inspired in me for dance shaped me who I am and the discipline she instilled in me stayed with me and the belief that I could be whatever I wanted to be stayed with me forever. I'm so moved by that story. You may not know that I I was a professional theater director for 12 years in in Washington, D.C., in New York. So I I have a great appreciation for the discipline of being a performing artist. But one level deeper, as I think about what you are today, is the arts are a way of fully discovering who we are right? And and learning about ourselves and giving ourselves permission to be that or dream that or pursue that. And I I just appreciate the way you told it so beautifully. Let me interrupt you, but this is so important because I think I wasn't able to say it so beautifully back then because it was more happening to me. Mm-hmm. And now at my middle age, right, I am in the middle <laughs> of my existence on this planet. Maybe that, that's when I can put in words because the level of consciousness has risen to the point that I can yeah. see this beautiful gift I got as a child. Probably I didn't appreciate it as much when I was growing up, but now yeah. I can see it. And I can, I, can, I can really appreciate the fact that I had this beautiful gift in my life. Yeah. Before we get to the Bria Institute, which I think of as your current professional baby amongst many other things you do. You've had this celebrated career and you've done many things before you became the CEO of GE Brazil, but you were the first female CEO of GE Brazil. If I'm doing the math correctly, you were 42 at the time. Is that correct? So that's a very young age to be the head of a big corporate enterprise if you think back of that period in your life, what are some things that you that stand out for you and go, wow, this is pretty spectacular. This is what I loved about being in that role and what I was able to do. And also, because it tends to be a shadow side of things, this is something that was challenging and frustrating. So this is a, an interesting aspect of getting there at 42. The previous CEO, João, he was about the same age when he became CEO too. Mm-hmm. So looking back, there probably wasn't anything spectacular about them choosing me at that age. I think I was a nice professional that had the right background for what GE needed to do in Brazil back then. And that was very unusual, not the age itself, but the background, because there was not many women who reached the CEO level being from government affairs like I was. But then it's, it's, it's that being ready 
and being in the right place at the right time. I think that was the, the mix that made it so possible. And I was totally honored with the opportunity to be that person, to represent a beautiful company in my country and be able to do what I knew best, which was to be this bridge, the link between the private sector and the government. Because I grew up in Brazil, Yakin, and, and when I was growing up, I studied political science. And my first job out of college, actually in college, my first uh, internship was in the Brazilian government. And my first job out of college was with the U.S. government at the embassy. So I learned diplomacy and I learned government affairs before I knew what GE was all about. When I moved to Sao Paulo and I was able to then move towards the private sector and make this bridge happen, but more geared towards the private sector interests then, working for Intel, working for GE, I think I built this very solid foundation of navigating these two worlds. So looking back, it might seem natural that this was the right person to choose because that was when GE wanted to do more business with governments in the world. And, G and Brazil was a very big market for GE. It was the third largest market for GE. And GE wasn't used to dealing with this entity, the government. Yeah. So Adriana was there in the right place at the right time. Yeah. And I was so happy to be chosen, to, to have been given this opportunity yeah. to be trusted to do this. I, I, I love the phrase to be trusted. I just want to play devil's advocate for a moment, just, just because I spend a lot of time, you know, coaching CEOs and corporate executives. Mm -hmm. So I know that role can come with lots of pressure, lots yeah. of performance pressures, quarterly revenue pressures, dealing with talent that's performing for you and talent that's not. And there can be many rewards. If you can, if you have to pick a moment that stands out from your tenure where you go, in this moment, I understand what I loved about being in this role that I was given. Oh, yeah. I have those moments, many moments. But there is one in particular that I cherish a lot, which was GE was deciding where to position, where to put the fifth global research center for mm -hmm. GE in the world. So I was not the CEO yet. I was still the government affairs person working with João Geraldo. And there, this opportunity came. And João was also very optimistic about, you know, doing things, big things. And he said, we can do this. We can convince the company to bring it to Brazil. So we built the case and I helped him from the beginning of this project. And it was a long thing. It's a long-term thing. So it took a long time for this decision-making to happen. But it eventually happened, and I became CEO right when it was about to happen. So my job as CEO was to make sure the project standed. So after convincing GE that Brazil was the right place, how do we implement this? And it was a beautiful process because it was challenging, very challenging. Brazil did not have all the conditions ready for a, a, a research center to come, a global one, just as, as big as GE was planning to build. And there were so many different things we needed to do along the way, aligning not only with the federal government for the, the environment for innovation to be there, to be in place, to be really what they wanted it to be. There was, of course, some policies that needed to, to happen. But working with the state government, the, the municipal government, to find the location, to find the site, to find the team, to, you know, 
hired the right people. Also having the right balance. I remember being in the conversations with the chief technology officer, Mark Little, and and deciding the kind of team we're going to have in this beautiful space that uh, ended up Mm -hmm. being at Rio. And and also the need for diversity, the discussions back then, and how we were able to put Susanna, one female leader, PhD, ahead of one of the three pillars of research that we were going to do in Brazil. So, I mean, that was such a joy to be able to make that project happen and participate all the way from, you know, the, the, the ideation, the, 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 the mm-hmm. thought that we could convince GE, convincing GE that Brazil was the right place to do and having it built in Brazil and, and, and created in Brazil was such a, a, an immense Uh, honor. And again, as you said, it comes with the challenges. It was not easy, but it was so rewarding to see it happen. You know, what really struck me as you're telling the story, I I love that Joao said, you know, we can do this, that that is such a wonderful mindset to work with people who say we can do this. But also what a gift. And and I'm relating this to Bria and Studio, but you came in at the middle of creating something. Right. Uh, and so you had the chance to come in as a creator CEO who championed a project she was passionate about. And that's a beautiful way to lead, even with all the challenges, isn't it? Yes. And then you know what? Back to your conversation about uh, being a coach. Isn't coaching all about empowering people? Mm-hmm. And then you, you said we're attracted to Joel saying and the way he empowered me to also be his government affairs person and do that with him. And the way Reynaldo and Karam Batia and Jeffy Melt empowered me, uh, John Rice, I think also I needed to thank him for that because he trusted me and they empowered me to be that person. So when I think of Bria and I decided to create Bria and Bria comes with this aspect of creation big time because the word Bria comes from Kabbalah mm-hmm. and in Kabbalah, that are five worlds and yeah. the world of creation is called Bria. Nice. So, so that is intentionally chosen because that is the, the energy that's moving me. So just like I was empowered by this, this powerful man, I was also inspired by a very powerful woman that I saw working as a leader in GE, Lorraine Bossinger, before I even dreamt that GE was going to be in my path. I saw her present at a a conference at the American Chamber of Commerce in Brazil. She was the leader of Ecoimagination, which was a very advanced project. It was a business strategy for GE back in 2005, that if it were today, it would be called ESG with all the letters, because that is ESG being born. And she was there presenting, powerful, and, and a beautiful lady representing GE, presenting this cool program that was going to reduce emissions, reduce water consumption, increase energy efficiency across the board. All GE businesses were supposed to invest in R&D to develop solutions for that and would, of course, ripe the benefits of having more sales with those project products. So helping GE do its Thing, but also helping its clients do its thing. So it was a precursor of ESG. So I saw that lady presenting and, you know, little <laughs> did I know then that I would have the opportunity to do that for GE later on. 
And I can do that now for Bria. So this is what is inspiring me. How can I get that, that experience from GE and transform it into something as powerful and as big with Bria? A word from your sponsor. That's me. I invite you to go to the website associated with this podcast, www.myfourthact.com. You will find other equally inspiring conversation with great humans. And you will also learn more about the, the My Fourth Act Mastermind Groups, where cool people figure out how to chart their own fourth acts. Please check it out. And now back to the conversation. I know Bria is about connecting a lot of dots. And as I'm listening to you, I'm, you're connecting some dots in my mind. And I just want to spell them out for our listeners. Where my mind went is you had a lot of champions who championed you and who helped you. And it's a privilege to champion other people. And, and life gets better when we do that. Oh, yeah. I also heard empowerment and creation, which are tenets of Bria I know we're going to talk about. One more thing that, and this is a question that you probably get asked a lot, and but in a reason why, because it, it's on my mind. You're in your early mid forties. You're the CEO of GE Brazil, so there's power that comes with that, and you're a woman with that power. What are some things you learned about yourself, about um, what it means to be trusted with that level of power, and how to use it well, and and how you held that power. Okay, so I will go back one, one, one step. Before I reached that position, I also had the privilege of meeting Abby. She was the Consul General in the Council of Canada in Sao Paulo. Mm. She hosted us, a group of women from Midas. This is a group of women that I helped create with a friend of ours who was coming from the U.S. where it's common for you to have affinity groups, women groups. She was moving to Brazil and she missed that kind of support group. And she said, let's create a group of women in government Mm -hmm. affairs. We started Bri in 2008. Abby hosted us. And I remember shockingly to hear her say about, talk about power and tell us, you all should aspire to positions of power. I was shocked, Gakin. I was totally shocked. I said, Wow, how? No, no, we don't need that. I mean, that's okay to just, you know, go with the flow. And she said, no, 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 no. If we don't have more women sitting in those key positions and making decisions, we're not going to have balance. So we need diversity to sit at the table, to be in the decision-making positions and to have your voice heard. So you have a saying. So when I was offered this opportunity, the first thing I told my boss was, if you think I'm ready for the job, let's do it. <laughs> let's go for it. I was, you know, you know, goosebumps. I was so scared, but yeah. I just took it. I just did it. And I think that's what is the beauty of you knowing that or not knowing that you can't do it, right? That, that you're being trusted and you're giving the empowerment to do it. But also you can learn as you do. And I learned so many things, Akeem. As I said, my background was government affairs. I did not know everything that needed to know for that position, but I had so many good people around me. And I was willing to listen and I was willing to admit that sometimes I didn't know certain things. And I was 
you know, willing to work together in collaboration to make things work. And I, I truly believe collaboration is the way to go, especially now with this world getting more complex. There isn't a single person in this world that can do it alone. So yeah. collaboration is so key. So let's talk about Bria Institute. And, yes. and another question that's really interesting to me because you, you're 52 now. You started Bria a few years back. So you were potentially in, in your prime of having a continued extravagant corporate career. Anywhere you wanted to go with your background, you know, you were, you were somebody that people would want. And instead you started a B Corp named Bria. I just, because this podcast is a lot about people making maybe unexpected decisions and taking the unexpected turn. Can you just walk us through that decision-making process for yourself? Sure. And it was indeed very unexpected because the only sure thing I had when I moved to Miami was that I was going to stay with GE. Mm-hmm. The reason why I came was my, my oldest son was in high school and he needed to decide whether he was going to pursue his process for enrolling in college in Brazil, which has a very particular exam called vestibular, or he would prepare to do the SAT and go to college in the U.S. Yeah. Since I was already in the route to go out of Brazil and be an international, an expat with GE, I said, well, I can't let him prepare for vestibular. I have to allow him to prepare for SAT so that he can go to a college where I go, where I move, at least closer to where I move. So that decision was what marked us because there was a clock, there was a calendar, there was a a time for him. And so my husband and I, we decided that we could do it. We could not wait for GE to decide where I would go working for GE, but take a time of absence, go to the U.S., start our family life there so that then when GE told me where to go, my kids would be ready to go wherever I wanted to go. So I took that leap of faith, not knowing, not dreaming that I would leave GE at all. So that gave me confidence because I knew I had GE. It was just in a time of absence, leave of absence. So everything was going to continue to be the way I always thought it was going to be. But little did I know that GE was already going through a lot of turmoil back then. And now we know what happened and everything that is surfaced and and more um, uh, visible now. But back then we didn't know. And I just trusted with all my heart that everything was going to be fine. So when it was happening, I confess, I did not know what was hitting me. But one thing was sure, I was comfortable in Miami. I started to learn that Miami had a life that I didn't know before. Because I always heard of the touristy part of Miami, you know, all the different things that uh, Miami is so known for. But there are some good people, just like you. Yes, Akeem, just like Rosemary. So many people, so many good friends I made. And it is, it is rather comfortable for me to be here. It's closer to home. I can fly in a direct flight back to my parents and I can be there fast. And, and the weather and the culture, everything is so convenient. And my family is very happy here. So when that came, so the GE situation was happening. Miami was our new home. We decided to stay. And then I meet Muhammad Yunus. What a privilege is that? He comes to Miami to start the Grameen Bank. We have an opportunity, thanks to Felipe Arango, who 
brought him there for this luncheon, introduced me to him, and I have a chance to have a conversation with him. And this man tells me that he is changing the situation in Bangladesh by changing the mindset of the young people, by saying to them, you are not job seekers, you are job creators, because there is always there is all only unemployment because there is employment. Mm-hmm. If everybody is looking for a job and there aren't enough jobs in the market, there will be people frustrated. But if you tell these young people how powerful they are and that they can create their own jobs, they can be entrepreneurs, they can't, they don't have to wait for the perfect job to land on the perfect job and prepare for the perfect job. They can change the world. Wow. I heard him say that and I said, yes, you're absolutely right. I'm going to use that in my talks because I was always invited because mm-hmm. I was the first right. CEO. Da, da, da. I will use that in my talks. Then I go, wait a minute. How can you use that in your talks? If you're looking for a job yourself, <laughs> you're not walking the talk, you have to live this saying before you say it. And that's when I realized, oh my God. I have to do it. I have to make it happen. I'm not going to wait for GE or any other company. I'm going to create my own GE. So then it's, it it all started to sink in. I started to, you know, uh, panic a little bit, but that's when I realized that I could do it and I needed to do it. So I looked for the best practices. I went to MIT to see how you create a startup. And I have been in this journey since. Would you just repeat the, again the name of the, the the gentleman who you heard speak? Because you said it very quickly, and I want to make sure our audience clearly hears the name. Okay, he is Muhammad Yunus, a Nobel mm. Prize winner. He, I think he won the Peace Prize in two thousand and six. Yes. He created the Grameen Bank, the concept of microcredit. Beautiful story, beautiful trajectory, and he is an advocate of social entrepreneurship. So he is doing a wonderful, wonderful work with youngsters. And a little bit differently from what he thinks, I believe that every entrepreneurship is a social entrepreneurship. Because to be successful, you have to tackle a big problem. And the big problems are social, environmental. So any business can do that. And that's the and that's the, the caveat. And that's the difference that I want to still in the world with Bria. I I believe that every business can reach and have a bigger goal and and be offering or achieving positive impact. That's what I mean by impact economy. You pursue financial returns. And as you do that, and in doing that, you are also delivering positive impact for people in planet. That's what B Corps are all about, right? I'm assuming you're implying this, but let me test this, that, that this is true also for big traditional global entities like GE or others, or is this easier to do for small startups, the ability to be a serious impact player? It might be easier to start out that way so you don't have to change the culture, mm-hmm. but it is so possible to do it for big companies. Remember what I just said about GE Ecomagination. Of course, it was not for the whole company. It wasn't the whole shift that I would dream GE would do. But even though they did it for some projects, some products and in, in some product lines, I believe if there is the leadership willingness and the bottom of the pyramid also, you know, doing it, you can get there. 
A great example is Natura. Of course, Natura was also born with that mission. But now, Natura acquired Avon, which is a very traditional business. Yeah. And they are in this route to becoming a B Corp certified with the whole group. Other companies are going in that direction. This whole movement of ESG is in that direction. Yeah. And there, you know, there are cases where companies are just greenwashing or ESG washing. But I believe that if you're honest, if you want to do it, there are ways to do it. And you can do it. You can change the route and you can find in your core business ways to be responsible and to be regenerative and change the business models in a way that we will produce better impact for people and planet. You have to be mindful of that and have to be yeah. invested in that, but you can do it. I hear your passion for the impact economy, which is what you support with Bria. And, and I know there are three words that you use, and, and, and I want to say that you, pl that you play at the intersection of these three words. And so let me just throw them out. And I want to invite you to let our listeners know why these words matter and why they matter together. And the words are innovation, practice, and purpose. And if I'm extrapolating, you know, that can lead to an impact economy. But would you, would you just explain this to us a little bit? Sure. I learned very early in my career that innovation matters. I worked for Intel and GE. So the most innovating companies you can dream of. We have Thomas Edison creating GE. And we have Intel, which is my age. Yes. You know, transforming everything in, 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 in their segment. I was told that you have to invest in innovation, especially in times of crisis. We created a research center in Brazil for this, yes. right? That is such a powerful lesson. And I totally believe we have to constantly challenge ourselves, disrupt ourselves. I remember one article that Jeffy Melt wrote in the Harvard, Harvard Business Review of how GE was disrupting itself. And this is Jeff. He challenged everything about GE all the time. If you don't know Jeff, read his book, Hot Seat. It is amazing. And look for chapter four, where he talks about the need for being systems thinkers and mm -hmm. how he applied that in creating Ecomagination. It's a beautiful story. And how he tried to implement that in creating digital. Unfortunately, he couldn't finish that job. But that was so innovative. So again, I learned by doing that innovation was important. And I truly believe we have to constantly look for innovative ways to do um, innovative things. I also believe in good practice. I was told the right way to do it. You know, we need training. I look for MIT to know how to create a startup. <laughs> I truly yes. believe we need the good practice. GE yeah. trained you well. <laughs> GE trained me well. Uh, Intel trained me well. The government trained me well. I, I was so fortunate that I had good good teachers all my life. And I understand the value of not having to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. Why reinvent the wheel? Go look for the best. Learn by reading. And more than that, let's try to play Leonardo da Vinci a little bit. Let's combine the different disciplines, the different mm -hmm. learnings, because that is where in the intersection of all this, this multidisciplinary approach, there will be more innovation. There will be more opportunities. And the purpose is what drives us. 
So if we know, you know, if we have a north, if we have a direction to go to, it makes it so much easier. I am reading a book by David Kessler, and it's all about the sixth stage of grieving. David worked with Elizabeth Kluber Ross, and mm -hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with her, but oh, that, yes. you know, she wrote about those five stages of dying and grief. And now he has added the sixth stage. And you know what this is? It's all about finding meaning. Mm, yeah. And that is so beautiful because even in the worst tragedies in our lives, there is hope and there is healing when you're ready to find this meaning. So Bria is about bridging innovation, practice and purpose for us all to find a way for a more regenerative capitalism and you know life on this planet with quality of life with well-being for people yeah. that's what i dream of beautiful when you're mentioning the word meaning I, i was struck by the fact that when you spoke earlier about being a young dancer in brasilia and, and studying that and discovering in hindsight a deeper meaning in the experience that maybe you weren't aware of as as a young girl and that's true for many of us and i think the more We can find meaning in the moment and not in hindsight. The more we enrich our own life and, and life and society and culture around us. What, what is something specific that Bria is working on right now that, that it might be fun for us to know about? Well, the core of everything we talked about, people. Yeah. So I wanted to create my own G, right? I am not an engineer, so I'm not developing a gas turbine or some you know, renewable energy type and technology, but I can help with the biggest assets that any company has, which is people. Yes. People development, leadership development. The same way I was told I could be a leader and I was helped to see the way to become a, a big leader. I can help others do that. Yeah. And the trick that I am um, perceiving more and more to be the right thing to do is through systems thinking. Yeah. With this increased complexity in the world, how do you navigate all these very difficult decision makings you have to have? And how do you really make the, the, the business shift the course to a more regenerative and impactful economy? I truly believe it's by thinking, not linearly, not fragmentedly, but systemically. So I've been studying that. And I, as I study, I apply that at Bria. And my, my, my wish is that more and more people will be able to apply systems thinking to business fast mm -hmm. so that they can all rise. And that's what we used to say at GE. We all rise. And that's what I'm trying to do at Bria, help We all rise. Humanity needs that. I'm just a little seed planting this, this message. And I am trying to connect with other people doing wonderful things around the world. So whenever I can, I highlight good blogs, articles, books, messages, videos, because we need to hold hands and make all rise. I believe you have a specific, actually, leadership training or development program, Bria, is that correct? Yeah, um, it's called the CEO Meet and Master. The name yes. sometimes is a little scary because it's not only for CEOs, but the idea behind it was 
Let's see what CEOs have to do. Let's understand what's in their radar screen. What is it they're thinking about? What is their mission? What do they have to do? And let's embrace our leadership journey wherever we are to deliver that. So it is good for people who are already sitting in that chair, for people who are pursuing that career, and for people who just want to have a notion of what's going on in the C-suite and how they can help. Yeah. So that's the program, the CEO Meta Master. And I'm assuming it's CEO with systems thinking, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Totally systems thinking. What we right. do, and the beauty of the pandemic, Akeem, was that we were able to also adapt um, to the new world. And in adapting, we discovered the beauty of uh, curating groups of people mm-hmm. from all over the world and having them practice systems thinking together. Nice. So that is the, the asset we have right now. We found this way of doing it very effectively. 150 leaders have already done it. And we continue to do this and to improve this, the way of doing it so that more people can learn how to apply it. Yeah. You also are involved with a bunch of other organizations where you serve on boards. I'm assuming these are all things you're passionate about. And I'm selfishly just going to mention too that I was personally drawn to. And I'd love for you to speak to what about their purpose or their cause drew you to it. The first one, uh, and I don't know if you're still involved with this, called the Berlin Future Forum. It spoke to me because I'm German and I I went to high school in Berlin for a couple of years. So that is partially my hometown. But what drew you to the Berlin Future Forum? Well, I am also of German descent. My my (laughs) I didn't know that. Yes. Uh, My mother's family migrated from, I don't know if it's um, Swiss, Switzerland or Germany, but it was Freiburg. And I know that there are Freiburgs in both countries, but it was a a very disastrous migration back in the beginning of the 19th century. And and they all moved to Rio. So my my, um, great grandparents were from Germany. And I always wanted to go back and, and trace the roots and, and understand better what is in me about that. Um, but the, it was a coincidence, actually, because this is uh, Argentine living in Brasilia, but also with um, German descent, Rafael, and a former Zen Buddhist monk, uh, Yasuhiko, who started having these sessions. And they invited me and other people to create the Berlin Future Forum back then. And the idea was that we would host the conversation from the future. That's why it was the Berlin Future Forum. And, and invite people with different backgrounds and mm-hmm. different ways of thinking to come together and play this not finite but infinite game. So you play and you stretch your consciousness and awareness. And we did that for a couple of years. Now it doesn't exist as it is, as it was. But it, the group is still together. Yeah, Soiko and, and Rafael are still doing it. It's not called the Berlin Future Forum anymore. It's called the BFF. But we still come together to stretch our brains and to, 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 to rise, to raise our consciousness. So what drew me was the fact that it was stretching my mind to really think and, and stretch myself as a leader and, and, and doing that with other people that I truly believe are also ahead of me in the game and grow this, this opportunity. So I think we are in a moment that we need to know how to ask more questions and better questions, deeper questions, 
and to wake up to this genius that 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 are inside of us, like Yasuiko always says. Yasuiko is a is a very inspiring leader uh, to be around. So yes, I still support, although I'm not in the leadership position anymore. What I hope our listeners take away from the story you just told, it, it, what I heard is it's, it's a choice to stretch our mind. And, and we get to choose the people that we hang out with that can help us do that. Oh, yes. And that choice is available to all of us. And it's not about where you are. It doesn't matter if it's Berlin. I loved it to be Berlin because I love Berlin and I always want to enjoy the opportunity to be in that city because we hosted it there. Yeah. But it is whom you choose to be in the journey with. That yeah. is so important and we take it for granted. Mm-hmm. So as, as I said, I'm not in the leadership position, but I choose to be with these people who are there stretching their minds and hearts and helping me do the same. Last work-related questions. I'm curious about the Brain Health Project, which is something that you support. Would you talk about it and tell us why that is something that's important to you? Well, uh, first, because I am a woman and the chances of uh, dementia in women are twice as much as men. Second, because it happens around menopause and I'm always getting, almost getting, (laughs) I'm opportunistic, right? No, but that's not only it. I met um, Amoris Natalovitz, Dr. Amoris from Boca Raton, who has this invention. He uh, totally believes that you can increase um, the cognitive uh, power of the brain. You can reduce the cognitive decline by enhancing your, your brain health. And he developed this formula for brain health prevention called the Cognicam, the Cognihome. And I worked with him for two years and we got investors to do the first investment and have the first study done. Uh, We got some good results that are not sufficient to have a proof of concept to have investors. But we do have an opportunity with the University of Miami now to to do the studies that are needed Mm -hmm. to prove that he is right. And hopefully, we'll have a way to prevent dementia and consequently Alzheimer, which is the most common form of dementia. Yeah. So I am totally in love with this project. And I truly believe that we need to do more to understand more about the brain to be able to live our healthy lives for yeah. so long. Well, I hope our listeners, as we listen to you, understand that, that you are living at the intersection of innovation, practice, and purpose, and that you are, you're doing that. And that's a choice you've made. And the choice is really interesting to me. Now, as we start to wrap up, based on what you know now, if you had a chance to, to say a few words of wisdom to, to young Adriana in Brasilia, who was uh, studying dance and doing all sorts of other things, what, what, what do you know now that you would like her to know? Oof. Well, first of all, enjoy it. (laughs) Enjoy every minute of it. Don't get bumped by the concerns because the obstacles are the way we learn from the difficulties in our lives. So welcome it, embrace it, and enjoy every second, every pirouette, every stretching, (laughs) every music, every routine you have to present, every child you can help with the arm position, right? 
Uh, just enjoy it and, and enjoy Ophelia as much as you can because she's a beautiful soul that is with you, guiding your way. And, and just continue to aspire to be like her. Beautiful. That phrase, the obstacles are the way, it's so simple and clean. I, I love the way you said that. Thank you for that. From your vantage point now as a successful, accomplished businesswoman, wife, mother, who is pursuing things that matter to her that you're passionate about. Some of our listeners might go, well, yeah, it's, she can do that, but I could never do that. You know, I could never switch gears that way. Any words of wisdom for those listeners? If I did it, anybody can do it, Akeem. It is not anything that you could dream of growing up in Brasilia. If God had told me then, Adriana, you're going to be the CEO of GE, I would have challenged God and said, how come? This can't be. I don't you know, know how that can be. And it happened. So just go with what life brings you. Because the opportunities that we all have in our lives are suited for our talents, yeah. for what we have so beautiful inside us. And continue to, to develop yourself. Look for ways to keep learning. Life is a journey and everybody's journeys matter. And my journey is different from yours, Akeem, different yeah. from anybody's, but it's not less beautiful or more beautiful than any other person's. So anybody can be a leader and anybody can have a beautiful journey to be proud of at the end of the line. If any of our listeners want to learn more about your work and the Bria Institute, where, where, where would you like to direct them, Adriana? Well, follow us in LinkedIn. Um, so I think that's where I post the most. But we also have a website, www.bria.institute. Um, we try to also highlight when we have the next uh, um, uh, CEO Meet a Master programs or other leadership programs. I also write a newsletter every month where I update our readers on everything I am learning as I go. So just follow us on LinkedIn and, um, and connect with us through Bria. Uh, and I Bria hope is spelled B-R-I-Y-A-H. Exactly. That's it. Bria. Thank you so much for this wonderful conversation, Adriana. Thank you so much for the wonderful opportunity, Akeem. You are... So artistic yourself, and I am very happy that you brought this, this little dancer in me back to my, you know, big Adriana uh, in the face I am right now. So thank you so much for that. It was my pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye. Like what you heard? please go to myfourthact.com and subscribe to receive my updates on upcoming episodes. Please also subscribe to us on the platform of your choice. Rate us, give us a review, and let us all create some magical fourth acts together. Ciao.